five. All right. Good. Hopefully that will work. Two sessions uh, live at the same time. Recording on YouTube over there live and Facebook over here. And kind of recording everything as well. So we have three channels working. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is our uh, weekly session. Uh, we try to do it every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Um, my name is Danny, as you know, and I speak in English because this is open to the public and we have um, multiple people from multiple locations around the world in, uh, in multiple uh, languages, of course. Um, this session, is about real estate investing, obviously, and it's set up for you guys. So you are most welcome to submit the questions. While I speak, I'll answer things that are related to the uh, topic of today and could, uh, could be questions indirectly or not indirectly related to the topic of today, but hopefully we'll keep it with real estate investing. So that's the uh, kind of the agenda or why we do it. Um, um, we have a topic uh, about cash flow versus cash cow uh, for today. Something kind of comes up every once in a while. If you're watching the recording, feel free to, um, to post uh, comments and questions as well. I hear actually a lot of feedback from people that I meet and they say, we see your videos and I'm always kind of surprised. Um, you know, like out of nowhere, someone that I don't even know is aware of what I'm doing. is like, hey, I see your videos. So it's always fun. So if you actually see me or speak to me, that would be great, uh, you know, if you just mentioned that you watched the video, I think it'd just be uh, nice. I'm going to say hi to the YouTube over there. So it's a little bit uh, challenging with, a, with a two channels. Okay, um, we need to move you in a different position, YouTube, for next week over here. Always uh, try to challenge myself. Cash cow or cash flow? What do I mean? Okay, so as investors, we are always... Um, always, I think, torn or divided between should we go with a property that produces a lot of cash, what we call the, the cash cow, um, or should we go with a property that just generates a little bit of cash flow, okay? Um, and it's maybe not the cash cow um, as we typically see. Now, let me tell you what usually, by the way, I don't have a definite answer. This is more of a personal question, but I just want you to be aware of those things. So typically, from my experience in the United States, when you buy a cash cow property, cash cow property typically looks like this. And I'm not saying that we, you know, if you're buying all cash, even a big, you know, a nicer home, obviously it will generate a lot of, a lot of cash flow. But a lot of times I see investors are targeting um, a cheaper house that, you know, buying it ma mainly with cash. Uh, most times with cash. When I say cheaper, I mean fifty, sixty, seventy thousand, forty thousand dollar in a house that is rented for somewhere between four hundred to a thousand dollars. That's something that uh, we call a cash cow. So think about the situation where you buy a fifty thousand dollar house and it's rented for you know buying it cash, rented for let's say seven fifty, relatively relatively, you're going to get a lot of cash flow to the amount invested, okay? Now, here's what, you know, this is the cash cow. Now, what do you mean by cash flow? Cash flow for me looks looks like something we buy for, let's say, 150000 so three times more expensive, many times with a mortgage, not, you know, not uh, necessarily everybody, and then, uh, you know, uh, some will still buy cash, 
And if we buy it with a mortgage, after everything, we get instead of a you know, $150,000 home, rented, let's just say, we'll use the round number, say 150,000 after expenses and mortgage and everything, we generate $150, $200 a month. So we have a $50,000 home, you know, rented for $750, but generates, let's just say, $500 a month, okay? Versus a $150,000 home, rented for $1,500, but only generating $200, right? So right there, many of us will think, oh, that's a no-brainer. I'll buy the $50,000 home and generate, you know, $500. That's a much better proposition than the $150,000 that is generating $200 a month, right? So logically or financially, I think that makes sense. Now let's look at this. This is the cash cow is the cheaper one. The cash flow is the more expensive one. Now let's take it, you know, let's break it apart a little bit. Obviously there's always uh, more things, you know, involved. Typically from my experience, and you are most welcome to dispute that. You're most welcome to disagree with me. This is not something that is, uh, uh, you know, that everybody agrees on, but usually when you buy a $40,000, $50,000 house in the States, obviously it's going to be, you know, not in the expensive places. It usually looks like this. You're buying a small home, you know, small being 700 square feet, 800, you know, maybe 1,000, maybe 1,100. Older home, 1920, 1930, 1940s. 2-1, 2-2, 2-1 and a half. I mean, bedrooms, bathroom, maybe 3-1. And typically in the lower end community. Lower end being the tenants that usually are coming to those houses are not making a lot of money, okay? By the way, I have two houses like this right now that I'm selling because I can tell you that this, they follow exactly this model, right? Um, and, and it's in a relatively an okay area. But since the day I've purchased them, I'm using, gonna use them as, a, as an example. None of those houses, this is probably three years, we're able to hang on to the same tenant more than probably six months. That's probably the longest. And probably each one of those went through delays and late payments and all of those things, right? Um, so always, the, each one of them, and that's very common in this type of tenant profile, will have issues with the tenant, you know, not making the payments on time. Now, it's not that they don't want necessarily to, it's not about bad tenants. A lot of those tenants, if they didn't, they didn't get paid by Friday, they get paid either weekly or bi-weekly. And that payment from their salary, a low-income salary, uh, you know, a minim, many times minimum wage or just around minimum wage, they can barely make the, uh, make the, uh, the payment, the rent payments. And there's always delays. And you know what? We can probably hang on to that if they late and we get some late fees and they're always late. And eventually they pay, we can probably hang on to it. But most likely, you will have many more, many more uh, um, evictions and late and issues. Now, an older house, here's what it looks like. So I can tell you just from those two houses as an example, um, my water heater, which was 30 years old when I was back, you know, broke down. Right? So good for that water heater that it survived 30 years. It broke down. A water heater for this house should cost anywhere from $400 to $600-ish, plus maybe an, I know, $200 you 
uh, or so for installation. Okay, this one actually cost you know cost me twelve hundred dollars. Why? It's an older home. It's not up to code. To bring it up to code, an additional four five hundred dollars right there. And that's not the only time I had it. So that's with water pipes, with electrical wiring. I'm actually replacing one of the roofs on one of them as we speak. I spoke to the roofer yesterday. He said, listen, here's my bid. Once I tear everything up, I don't know exactly what I'm going to find. And there's probably going to be some things that are not up to code that I need to, to, uh, to, uh, um, to add, to fix. I, otherwise, you know, I can't do the work. And that will be an additional cost. I don't know until I actually tear off the existing roof, see what's going on. And I'm going to tell you. So most likely because it's an older house, it's, um, it's going to be requiring an additional money to bring it up to code. What am I trying to tell you? On paper, a lot of those houses, by the way, it doesn't have to be always the case. And maybe some of you already I know, purchased and owned such houses. But in reality, on paper, they look beautiful. In reality, older home in not so good community area schools with a lower income kind of a tenant profile are not as attractive once you see how very little appreciation in those areas, if at all. Okay, you may, you may enjoy it a little bit, but you typically will get very little appreciation. Now, a good area, nice area um, with good tenants, uh, with, um, you know, that both, you know, couple with a family, both work, they can actually make the, the, you know, the rent on time. They have kids that go to school. It's in a desirable area. And that house, just by its own, just by its own uh, um, location, and the profile of the area and the tenant will slowly appreciate over time. That may be appreciate very quickly, but will even slowly appreciate. At least it will keep up its value with inflation and and, uh, and then some. So all of a sudden you get a situation that on paper, the cheaper house looks very attractive. In reality. In most cases, it's really far from it. And the other house, which looks unattractive cash flow wise, looks much more promising when you actually look at it in the bigger picture. This house, from my experience, will keep up, will appreciate. You know, I'm not talking about rapid appreciation, but even minimal appreciation will always be the de you know, desirable, you know, to live areas that are desirable to live in. Probably we're gonna be newer house, so maybe. 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you're not going to have all those issues of replacing all those things and up to code and, and broken pipes and electrical. And altogether, as an owner, one, the cash cow that looks really attractive on paper generates tons of noise into your life. I know that very well, all too well. While the one who's kind of cash flow and not cash cow generate noise, but very minimally. And when you look at the bigger picture, the one that is a cash flow and not a cash cow over time will most likely will benefit you financially much better, plus much more, much less stress and noise and issues coming from this house. So um, I see that someone says the video stopped. Are you still uh, seeing me or not? Give me a like or response if you can see me. If not, we'll have to 
reset the video. I'm gonna wait for two minutes uh, for 20 seconds because sometimes it takes. Okay, thank you. Near for a minute there, I thought I crashed the internet. I was hoping to. Okay, so we're back. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, internet uh, glitch is always a uh, part of our life. So what I'm trying to say is, if you are an investor and you're kind of debating which one, know this. I'm not saying that one is better or one is right or one is wrong. I'm just saying this. Think about it. What your preference? You want to go with the house that will most likely generate a lot of noise and is not going to be as cash, cash cowing as you would expect. And you will have more money spending, you know, into this house because it's older and in a not so good area. And you're willing to accept that level of financial expectation and expenses. That's okay. That's fine. Maybe it's the only thing that you can afford. Maybe you, you figure it out and it works for you. But if you are someone who's saying, you know what, I want to have minimal hustle. I don't want to worry about tenants not paying. I don't want to worry about evictions. I don't worry about, you know, fixing up the house all the time. And I just want to buy and be in a position that it's as close as possible to buy and, for, buy and forget. You probably want to go with a little bit cheaper house. And by the way, it's much easier when you do it with a mortgage. I know not everybody can get mortgages, but definitely something uh, that a lot of the people that we work with can get. So with that said, I am, you know, oh, one, you are looking at the cash flow house and you're focusing on the minimal cash flow of $200 a month-ish, give or take. I think you're missing the, big, you know, the bigger picture. The bigger picture is this cash flow is a, you know, is a bonus. Because remember, when you get $200 cash flow, even $150 in cash flow on average, if we analyze it correctly, that means we accounted for repairs and vacancies, and we paid for all the expenses, including the mortgage payments. So we actually get this house, it's, we're only getting $150 to $200 in cash flow. After all expenses, our cash flow return is not very high, maybe 4, 5, 6, 7%, which is okay, but not very high. But this house is located in a good area. It will, no guarantees, but from historically, it will keep up, you know, it will appreciate over time. So slowly you see, you know, an, a growth in equity by appreciation. And slowly you will see a growth of equity by the fact that we're paying down the mortgage principal, okay, slowly. And over time, five, ten years later, all of a sudden, you look at, the, uh, you look at this and say, oh my God, between the little cash flow and some appreciation and some paying down the equity, I've say, you know, earned significantly, you know, a significant amount of money. I've done it on one house, maybe two. And then, uh, um, you know, and then, uh, um, you know, usually what I hear from my investors who only bought one or two, when they look into it after a few years, they're saying, you know what, I should have bought more. Just this morning, I had a conversation with one of my investors from the Bay Area, from the San Francisco Bay Area, and we just did a catch up. He purchased a house with us in Nashville, I want to say almost two years ago. So it was the summer of 2016, right? Yes, almost two years ago. Before he purchased this house, he had some bad experience in other investments. It had nothing to do with us. He didn't like, you know, he felt that the way he went about investing in the past was always failing or not very, not very successful. And the first thing he said to me before he started working with us, he said, Danny, I have burns 
I am not, you know, I need to build my confidence. I need to buy a house and to actually see that everything you're telling me is really what, what happens in, in real life. And in order to do that, I need to hold this house for at least one year. One year of full cycle to know that things are okay. And that's exactly what he did. He actually purchased the house and held it for more than, you know, for one year. Or he still has it. And after a year to the date, I told him, I called him and say, remember a year ago, you said that you wanted to hold it for one year? Tell me what happened. He says, Danny, everything is fine. It wasn't a smooth sale. We had some vacancy. We had some repairs. We are, you know, you know, complaints. It's exactly the noise you told us it's going to be. And my house appreciated about $25,000. I can't, you know, no, no complaints about that. And my answer to him a year ago, a year after he purchased the house, I said, listen, I told you back then you should have bought two. I think you should buy two, you know, the second one as quickly because the market is really appreciating. Well, he's back. He's ready to buy his second one in a very tight market, you know, almost two years later. I told him this morning, I wish you bought two, not to mention four back then, but that's done. So with that said, I am done with what I wanted to cover, you know, talking about cash cow and cash flow. To summarize it, I just want to tell you, I'm not saying one is better, one is worse. It's a matter of comfort zone and, and personal flavor or preference and budget. But I do want you to not, well, the one thing I want to make sure you're fully aware, if you're going with a cash cow, just know it usually means cheaper, older, not so good areas with, with multiple issues and problems. You're gonna probably have a lot of noise. Even if you work with a property manager, the property manager will experience the same noise for a high level of noise from that property. That means it will come, you know, it, it, it trickles up to you, the owner, okay? So um, let's see if we have questions. If you have more questions, uh, uh, if you have questions, obviously post them. If you are on YouTube, because we're doing this on two channels, then you are most welcome to post questions live or after the fact. Okay. I completely agree with you. Time plus peace of mind equals money. Also keeping your place in good shape. I agree with you as well. Location, location, location. Yuval, I think we talked about the difference between cash flow and cash cow. Tell me if I, you know, if it wasn't covered. So I don't see actual, uh, you know, uh, questions coming in. Your questions can come on not just the topic of today. There can be other things related to real estate. And while I'm waiting for more questions, I want to also tell you that we are, um, we have a new opportunity to participate in a passive manner um, in a fund. The fund is going to, is buying um, 18 rented houses in uh, North Houston, in a good part of Houston. The part that re didn't really get uh, uh, hit by the storm, by the way, for those of you who wonder, um, all rented, 18 houses, good houses, not, those are cash flow houses, not cash cow houses, but they're good, uh, solid houses. So we are uh, doing that. It's very relevant for those investors who are concerned about investing, don't want to have the hustle of dealing with vacancies and repairs and so on. We are going to email more information about it today, I think today. So if you want to get it by email, because it's not a format appropriate to Facebook, it's more content. 
you have to let us, uh, you have to give us your email. By the way, if you want to get offers, emails, uh, information for us about events, uh, live and webinars, we're actually putting a, a webinar series of three or four uh, webinars in the coming uh, two months. I mean, it's, we're planning it uh, somewhere between in the coming two months. You need to join our mailing list. Um, you can always opt out. We don't share it. But that would be the best way for us to communicate the things that are going on on our end if that interests you. If you're not, if you're on the mailing list, good, you don't need to do anything. If you want to get on the mailing list, let us know. Uh, just put your email or uh, you can send an email to us. No problem. And we will just add you to the mailing list. Um, I don't see additional questions coming, uh, coming up. So I want to say thank you for everybody who's spending their evening, their morning, their afternoon. I know I see people from Israel, from the Bay Area, from, from the Southern California. I think we have Colorado here as well, uh, Denver. Uh, so it's always a pleasure. So uh, uh, friends, even a family uh, here. So it's always a pleasure. I want to thank you for spending your evening, afternoon, morning with me. I love those sessions because it gives me the opportunity to talk. I'm a talker, if you haven't noticed, and I, I like sharing the information. So hopefully we'll get to uh, also speak with you or see you in more intimate uh, um, setting in the near future. Thank you very much. Have a terrific uh, weekend, you all. See you soon. Next week, 11 a.m. Pacific time, California time, 11 a.m. See you in a week. Have a good week.